0: everybody, and uh, welcome back to the program. Uh, You're listening to the Raised by Whoops fake radio show, and my name is Glenn. Um, Today I'm bringing you a conversation with Sam Sadomsky. Um, Sam lives in Brooklyn, New York, and he's an associate editor and a writer at the online music publication Pitchfork. He's also a singer-songwriter. You can find his music at thebirdcalls.bandcamp.com. And he's also the co-creator of two podcasts, Welcome to Chicago and Late Era. In addition to all this, Sam uh, is releasing uh, a new record today, August the 11th, called Exodus All Over. Um, You can uh, find the new record over at uh, the Bandcamp page of Ruination Record Company, a New York City-based label that's putting the record out, Um, and you'll probably be able to find it on Sam's Bandcamp as well. Um, I'm going to feature two songs off that record. One's called Drinking on Planes, the other's called Drive Around Singing. Um, We had a a great chat, we had a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as well. Um, Also want to uh, draw your attention to last week's episode, Andrew interviewed Kirsten Lewis. I really liked that episode, I thought it was a great interview, I thought it was really moving, and I think uh you uh will like it as well so please go back and listen to that one um if you have time if you think of it please give us a rating or a review it helps out the show and you can also visit moronbook.com and pick yourself up a copy of andrew's book uh so yeah um with all of that out of the way um please enjoy my talk with sam i want to thank him again for coming on the show and uh yeah have a good one folks and we'll catch you next time around
1: bye all my friends are skipping town all my money's been spent i've been barred from going down to all the places i once went so i've been getting some perspective racing from my initial descent it's just like drinking at the bar with a real cool view Your seat cushion can function as a bar stool To a paper baggie, my in handy In the seat back pocket in front of you It's a dive in the sky and I know the bartender I can't stand when I land I wanna stay up here forever Chugging one after another Can't even remember my name no danger drinking and flying. I got my designated pilot, drop me off at the gate. Let's turn the 747 into honky tonk heaven. I love drinking on planes. And the hang-ups. Can't hit me while I'm up here drinking wine, crossing time zones, five o'clock somewhere mile high. I'll get dry when I meet you down a baggage claim. Right now I'm taking the red eye, chasing the sunlight with moonshine and a smile on my face. Once the starter can not stop the cocktails in the cockpit I like drinking on planes Let's turn the 747 into honky-tonk heaven I like drinking on planes Keep your seat buckle fast and compliments to the captain I like drinking on planes Let's turn the 747 into honky-tonk Kevin. I like drinking on planes
0: so I'm here with, uh, with Sam Stomsky. Uh, Sam is a, a music journalist, a singer-songwriter, and a podcaster. He currently uh, works for the online music publication Pitchfork as a writer and an editor. And his music musings have also appeared in Rolling Stone, Uncut, The Nation, Stereo Gum, and more. Um, In addition to writing about music, Sam is also a musician himself, having released several albums under the moniker of The Bird Calls and The Bird Calls, Inc., or uh, BCI. Um, Finally, Sam can be heard on the Welcome to Chicago and Late Era podcasts alongside Andy Cush and Winston Cook Wilson. You can learn more about Sam and his work at samsadomsky.com or by visiting thebirdcalls.bandcamp.com where you'll hear his uh his latest album My Life in Hollywood and Sam is also uh releasing um a record called Exodus All Over uh on August 11th uh through Ruination Record Company in uh, in New York City. And uh Sam joins me. Now, thanks for joining me, man.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat.
0: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it uh a lot. So, um Yeah, man, I know uh So, you know, in preparation for this, I, I listened to you on a few other podcasts and, uh, I I know that you, you know, I, I know that you've talked, you know, maybe even ad nauseum about, uh, some Bruce, uh, Springsteen stuff. So I didn't want, I didn't want to go heavy on, on the Bruce stuff today, uh, just because, you know, um, listeners can, can find those podcasts that you've done, uh, if they search your name on whatever streaming service. They, you have some great stories um, about seeing them live and stuff, and I, I, uh, I'll point the listeners to, to to do some searching there. But I did have to ask you a couple things. I just wanted to get it off out of the way off the top because I'm a pretty big Bruce fan. So oh, sweet, uh, cool, yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm not, um, you know, not enormous, but um, but I'm a I'm a pretty big fan. So um, I heard you on the uh, I think it was called the Bosscast. Um, oh Yeah. 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 That, that podcast. And, uh, um, you were asked on there, this is just a comment, but, um, you were asked what his most underrated song was and you said highway 29 oh, and, yeah. and yeah, man. And I, uh, I was just, I was just kind of, it sort of, I lit up when I heard that cause I don't hear that mentioned very often and i just think that's kind of a a gem sort of buried deep in his catalog and uh well, not that deep but but still um it's probably a top three bruce song for me so i was happy that you you said that um you know especially when he comes in with uh you know in a, in a little desert motel uh, yeah
1: the bridge yeah. yeah
0: yeah man that 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 little stanza there that little piece is just uh incredible um and then you said "Tunnel of Love" was your your favorite album, and and I gotta say that's mine too. Um, cool, yeah. So so yeah, I I connected with you on that. Um, I was just wondering, um, have you ever tried to like get an interview with with Bruce? Like I, you know, uh, I was just wondering, or, or have you ever you know pitched anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to interview him, uh, and yeah, anytime he puts something out, that's always something I think about. Um, as of yet, it hasn't happened. Um, he really like he hasn't done a lot of press in the last ten years. Like, and when he does, it tends to be like with um with like Rolling Stone. And then there's like an AARP thing around the um, Letter to You record, and he was on like Howard Stern around the Soul record. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm I've a good feeling it'll happen one day, but I'm also happy to exist on the side of Bruce uh criticism that I that I've lived in which is like uh (laughs) writing about his work uh, which I still find really fruitful and I always feel like it's a continuing narrative um yeah I've like I met him a few times but I didn't press him about anything so uh, uh one day I would love to do that I think it would be really fun and definitely like a like a bucket list career thing but yeah, yeah it hasn't right. happened yet
0: okay okay yeah I, yeah because I think I heard you say on an, somewhere else that like you know you're you're kind of partial to criticism versus interviewing anyways right like you, you you kind of you find you can get your thoughts out a little bit better uh in the criticism realm opposed to you know maybe the interviewee Uh, be kind of being at the mercy of the interviewee maybe
1: yeah I think like maybe my stance on that has changed a little over the years Um, I still stand by that like I think I also just think I'm a better critic than I am like an interviewer or journalist in that capacity but um, I really like interviewing artists like I really like the part where we're like sitting next to each other and there's like a recording device between us and we're having a conversation the part I don't like is then when I, I'm looking at the transcript and trying to shape a piece out of it. And right. I'm like thinking of all the questions I should have asked and all the like holes in it and like all that stuff. It freaks me out. Um, whereas like when I'm writing a review or an essay or something, I feel like I, like I can always research to find the stuff that I don't know. And I can always like look at it as like a creative exercise to try to like get my brain to access some part of like the like the narrative i haven't discussed yet but with an interview you're kind of beholden to what happens during that one conversation or however many you have um and that for me has been like a source of anxiety sometimes writing but but um yeah with springsteen i wonder if i would have that issue because i fear that if i was like sitting next to him with just like a clock ticking i would like every question I had would be like 20 minutes long, but I'm sure I could get my acts together to to do it. right.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I hear you too about like, um, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's just, it, it is kind of difficult to be in the moment sometimes too when you're interviewing people and, and you, maybe you didn't follow up on something you should have followed up on that they said or. Yeah. Something. It's kind of yeah. like,
1: it's like if you had to like file a report after like a good date, and you had to say like, well, this is why we connected, and this is why this person is like so right for me and stuff. And then you're thinking like, well, maybe they're not, and like maybe this thing I remembered as being like a moment of connection really wasn't. Like all that stuff starts coming back.
0: Right. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. Just uh, a a couple of more then. Um, on on the Springsteen thing. Um, do you? I was just looking for any. I, I know you did a piece on this. I think in Pitchfork maybe. Or maybe not Pitchfork, but um, but I was just wondering if you could recommend like, is there sort of a a Bruce bio that um, that you think stands above the rest? Or
1: yeah, my answer to that is always the Peter Ames Carlin one from 2012. That's just called Bruce. I think okay. that book is really, um, it really gets into stuff, and it really avoids. Some of the narrative that had crystallized over a lot of the 20th century writing on Bruce, um, to me, that book is uh, the closest I've felt to reading a Springsteen book and feeling like I was like getting access to like a side of him I wasn't familiar with. Um, oh, okay, I was really excited by that book at the time. I was in college when it came out, and I reread it like a lot when I'm writing about Springsteen. There's a lot of good info in it. Um, I also liked that book that came out a few years ago in the time since I wrote that piece about the best Bruce books, the one um, Brian Hyatt from Rolling Stone put together that's like song by song. There's some really good info in there. And I don't think there's any like direct Springsteen, like new quotes for the book, but a lot of people in his team talked about it. And some of that was really like, I think they kind of like broke the news of like certain Recordings that exist in the vaults that I didn't know about. Um, That book is really cool, too. And it just looks awesome. It's like a beautiful coffee table book. It's super luxe. I love it.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, I got a, I've been, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for music bios. So I, I will probably look up that. Carlin book. Um, has he written anything else? Uh, or does Peter he Ames do... Carlin? Yeah, Carlin. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, he definitely has. Um, yeah. yeah, he's got a bunch of great books out.
0: Yeah, like just like other music bios, or
1: yeah, music bios and like period pieces, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right, I'll have to have to look him up. Um. And then, uh, yeah, I guess the final thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, like, I mean, I I know a few people, um, even a few people I know here in in Canada that, you know, obsessively log their uh live shows like i don't know in a way that people do with i don't know the dylan or dylan or the dead or something yeah um um, do you like you know do you have like a running count of how many times you've seen springsteen or do you get that uh do you get that granular with it
1: no i really don't i it's um for one thing i'm just bad with numbers like i lose track and i just don't have that kind of like accounting brain so i'm bad at it um It's also weird because I started seeing Bruce when I was really young. Like um, I was just like a really obsessive kid. And when I was like 10, like on the rising tours, when I saw him for the first time and it's hard to like, I think my parents would like drive me into Philly and we'd see like, maybe like the first bit of the show. And then they would drive me back because like, (laughs) yeah, I was just like, you know, I was too young to like really experience it and understand it. Like my memories of that tour are just like very dark paired backstage. So it's hard for me to like count that as like show number one. And then like these current shows where I'm just like very present and just, I don't know. and then also, it's like I've just seen him at so many weird little things, like just um, shows he popped up at, or like um, sort of like events around the memoir or whatever, like the Broadway thing. And right, right, I don't know, it, yeah. I've right. I've just never. I, I think like if I tried to count, it'd probably be like in the 30s or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Did Did you go to any of those Broadway performances?
1: Yeah, I saw a couple. Um, yeah. I I was at one of like. I reviewed it, like, the the first run of it, and I got to go to one of the very first shows of it, and I was, like, totally blown away. I, I thought it was beautiful, and then I saw it when it came back during the pandemic, and I, like, around my birthday in 2021, and, yeah, I was so moved by it, by the things he added about his mom, and, um, yeah, I, I thought Broadway was really awesome. Nice, nice. Did you get to see it?
0: No, man. I, you know, like I, I mean, I am a a huge fan, but I've, I, you know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I've just, I've never even seen seen the guy live. So. Oh,
1: well, he's coming to Canada, right? Is is that right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe not. I thought someone told me that.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll have to I'll have to look that up because yeah I uh I I would I I would like to at least at least once yeah I'm not like um. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, like I say, I have some, some friends and stuff that just, they're, they're concert fanatics. I'm not on that level, but I definitely got to see him at least, at least once. So yeah, um, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. This is a
1: fun tour to, to be your first show too. It's like, uh, you'll leave happy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, are, are there any other artists that you've seen like, um, an insane amount of times or that you, that you make sure to get a ticket to when they come around?
1: um none like springsteen that are that consistent my whole life um other than like friends bands and stuff um i try to see dylan as much as i can he's one of my favorites um yeah and then there's like newer bands i'm actually i'm going to toronto next month for the first time because uh i want to see that band tomb mold who's from oh. there okay um they're so good and yeah there's they're also playing with On Death. Who's another death metal band I love? And Undeath, I feel like I've seen every time they've come to New York. Right, um big right. fan. Yeah. Okay. Uh
0: what do you know what venue that's at?
1: No, I don't have to look it up. I just saw like the lineup is so good. It's two mold, undeath and uh outer heaven. It's a band from uh Pennsylvania. And I was okay. like, that lineup is amazing. I haven't seen two mold in forever. So I just like bought a ticket and was like, I'll figure out my travel plans.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. Um well, speaking of Pennsylvania, uh, you were born in Reading, right? Reading. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and that's like, that's near, like that's near Dutch country, right? Like, uh, that sort of area.
1: Yeah. Sort of. We're like close to like, um, yeah, some of the Amish towns, but it's like, um, yeah, it's kind of like, it's like an hour and a half from Philly, like 45 minutes from Allentown. It's like one of those towns. Redding was actually like it was like more of like a bustling city way back in the day but now it's it's not really but yeah yeah yeah
0: okay um and this might sound like a weird question but um i think i heard you say that you went to like why i'm missing um is it why i'm missing high school yeah 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 is that and uh for some reason i came across the fact that taylor swift perhaps went there too did were you there when she was this
1: is true yeah we um took guitar lessons at the same place um she was in my sister's grade I was in her brother's grade but uh, yeah her family left when she was pretty young they went to Nashville um but yeah definitely okay. why missing royalty
0: yeah 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 for sure um yeah I thought that was a uh, kind of a, an interesting uh, little fact there um and you know when you were in school like were you you know did, did you always sort of take to writing like like did you it was that you know was English or or creative writing something that you always enjoyed
1: yeah completely I loved it um I was always making stuff and I like in terms of writing I was like um really imitative like I would read something and then make my own version of it and that was like my first creative outlet um and yeah, I was like learning guitar at the same time, but I was, it took me a really long time to learn guitar. But when I finally did, it was kind of the same way. Like, I remember I would bring in, uh, like CDs to my guitar teacher and just have him show me like the tunings or just like write out the tabs so that I could just play the same, like make my guitar sound the way it did on like the music I was listening to. And, right. um, yeah, but yeah, it was always just like, um, I was into books and like, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. That's the type of kid I was.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you were definitely reading about musicians and music and, and stuff uh, from, a, from a young age.
1: Big time, yeah. I would literally bring in, like, Springsteen books to school and just, like, have them sitting on my desk, like, <laughs> yeah. waiting till there was, like, a quiet moment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, when did you start taking uh, guitar lessons?
1: When I was really young, um, I was probably, like, in first grade, um... But I really can't stress enough like how bad I was like I just had no discipline and I wanted to, like I wanted to sound like Springsteen I didn't get why like like I would see him playing guitar in the videos and then I would play it and it would sound totally different. Uh, <laughs> and it was like literally until I started wanting to write my own songs and playing in bands that I like I got any type of um, confidence with it or could make it sound like remotely like a guitar. I was yeah. I was super inept with it for a long time.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about like like piano or any other instruments? Did you ever try any of that?
1: Yeah, my parents started me on piano because that's what my sister played, and um, I I didn't like that at all. I like I was like really petitioned for them to let me switch to guitar. Um, now I wish I I knew more about piano because um, I love the sound of the piano and my friends who write music on piano i feel like there's like always there's just like a wider range of stuff that they can play like the chords have more voicings to them or something like that but but yeah it was all guitar for me pretty much all through high school yeah yeah
0: okay um so like is guitar um is guitar something that you still like endeavor to get better at or have you reached a point where like you can play it well enough as a vehicle for your songwriting or is it something you still work on i mean i
1: play guitar all the time like probably every day um just because i like to uh i think i'm probably not as focused on that aspect of music as i used to be um it's something i was like talking about with a friend who i make music with is like up until I moved to New York, I feel like guitar was what I did. Like back when I was in Syracuse, I played guitar in a lot of bands. And in high school, I was always like the guitarist. And then I moved here and I feel like there's so many better guitarists than me <laughs> and like yeah. people who went to like jazz school and really are like inventive and like can make a guitar sound like no one else can. And I just, I've never had that way with an instrument. And I feel like here I, my role is a lot more like a writer. Like, I think yeah. um, that's, like, my job, but it's also, I think, what I focus on mostly in my music. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I I could see a day coming when, like, I really want to devote myself to learning guitar in a different way and, um, yeah, like, kind of getting a new approach to, like, I still do that sometimes, like, this summer I went through a phase where I was like, I wanted to learn all the different tunings Joni Mitchell plays in. And it was like just every day I would like mess around in it and like figure out different songs and stuff like that is really fun. Um, But yeah, I would say it's probably not my main priority. Um, It's maybe comes like second or third on my list of like things I'm focused on creatively. Maybe like fourth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think it's important to be aware of that too. Like I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I I play well enough to accompany some some lyric writing and some some vocals but um like you hear these stories of like I don't know I'm just thinking of like I don't know I've heard Eddie Van Halen say it or I, I think I heard Jason Isbell say it one time like these types of guys that just locked themselves in their room as teenagers and just play guitar for like 6 hours every evening and like I never had that passion so I mean, it's like, you know, I have a certain amount of jealousy for those guys, but it's also like I never had the the interest like they did either. So, like, you know, you just kind of have to accept that I guess they just like it more than me, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, or their relationship with it is different. Like, I don't know. I think, I mean, I listen to so much guitar music that's like, I feel like maybe like the connective tissue of everything I like is I like listening to guitars and people who are really good at guitar. And I think just because I don't like, I think like maybe my inability or like my like disinterest or whatever, and like learning to play guitar that way is maybe like what makes me admire some of the guitarists I love so much. Like I've been like all about Pat Metheny like the last year and a half and like, Listening to his records. There's certain things I, I would love to like learn how to do, but my thinking is very rarely like I want to play it like that. My thinking is more like it's like amazing to listen to someone play like this. And I'm so glad that there's someone so devoted to their instrument and the craft of it, you know. Um and I I think that's maybe how I feel about writing. Um yeah. and yeah, just because I yeah, like I said, I feel like there are things I don't think there's really anything I can do on guitar that hasn't been done v- before or that there's not someone doing better, but I sometimes do feel like it's within reach to like, write something in a way that it hasn't been written before or write it in a way that speaks, that speaks to something that hasn't been articulated that like, that feels like a goal I can aspire toward.
0: Right. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to, um, just wrap up a, f- a little bit more on the bio. So you you stayed in Reading until you went to Syracuse. Then you were
1: yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I went to Syracuse for college. Yeah.
0: Okay, and I, I think I heard you talk about this uh, Bandir program.
1: Yeah, it was like a music business thing. I majored in and minored in English because, like, I think like halfway through college, I realized I I was like I just had some professors who really took me under their wings, and I was so like blown away by some of the writing I was introduced to and like those to me that was like what I wanted out of college I was I just felt inspired and excited and I could sense myself getting better and so like after that I did an MFA program to kind of like continue that and make up for what I felt was like lost time not studying the thing that was the most exciting to me and yeah and that's what I moved to New York to do.
0: So, so the bandier stuff was like um um li- like just music business stuff like p r stuff and like I- agent type stuff that kind of yeah
1: thing, right? it's sort of aimed to give you like a sort of hands on um experience like i I have nothing bad to say about the program I think it's a really awesome program and the like professors in it are um super helpful and supportive and continue to be um. But, I I I think I realized I didn't really want to work in the business side of the industry, and um, I uh, I had like some internships that I didn't love, and I I don't know. I think I was just my intuition was really saying like that was like the way I felt like in like my creative nonfiction classes and my poetry classes and like, the way those professors, what those professors saw in me, and, you know, all the, that, that was really exciting to me, like, yeah, like, reading Joan Didion for the first time kind of changed my whole life, and, like, Sontag, and all that stuff that I I hadn't really been introduced to before.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, Did you ever run across, like, George Saunders when you were there? Or- I
1: did, yeah. So this was like right when 10th of December came out. It was like when I was sort of having this like come to Jesus moment. And the the, the professor um, who was like especially helpful to me was like a poetry professor named Sarah Harwell. who's okay. a re- really, really good poet. Um, she like sort of introduced me to George Saunders at like the reading he was doing on campus for 10th of December, like right when it came out. And we, like, kind of hung around to the end so that I could meet him. And I, like, gave him my book to sign. And uh, Sarah was like, "Uh, well, this is Sam. Like, he's a student and he's, like, currently thinking about doing an MFA program. And George Saunders, without, like, even looking up, he goes, okay, well, when you don't get in, don't get discouraged. (laughs) It'll happen when it needs to. And (laughs) it's, like, it was just so him. And uh, I was very intimidated. But... Yeah, I guess that's like his whole philosophy about like, don't rush it. And like the stuff you're meant to write will come when it needs to. And um, but yeah, George Saunders was huge. Like that book blew my mind when it came out. I'd never had something so funny and like poignant and emotional. And the fact that it was like coming from Syracuse and the guy who wrote it was like, standing right in front of me. It, It was really like, I can't overstate the impact that had on me
0: yeah yeah I, I love that guy too um i just love listening to him talk you know me uh, too do you subscribe yeah. to his newsletter no but i will now it's uh, amazing yeah okay. it's,
1: it's really good
0: okay cool yeah yeah i just any interview i can find with him i i i, I have read 10th of december and i read uh lincoln in the bardo and um uh, I got to read more of his stuff, but yeah, um, but yeah, I've I've I will subscribe to that newsletter though now. Um, yeah, like like Syracuse kind of punches above its weight in the sort of in the literary um, sense because like I know like Saunders taught there, and I know like Raymond Carver lived there for a yeah. long time.
1: Yeah, I'm a big Raymond Carver guy too, so that yeah. meant a lot to me. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think David. Foster Wallace like lived there or something for a while and Definitely
1: Mary um, Carr
0: Yeah yeah um Syracuse is kind of a so I grew up like in Brockville, Ontario I, like I say I live near Toronto now but um but I grew up closer to um Eastern New York State. I guess I live closer to Buffalo now but um so I would go down to Syracuse my girlfriends and I would go down to Syracuse like I don't know maybe 3 times a year because we, we had to go to uh sound Oh so, yeah. I
1: was there all the time. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was like, you know, we just didn't have record stores like that in where I was from. So we would go down to Soundgarden and buy a bunch of shit. And then, um, you know, we used to go to Ithaca a lot for shows too, because cool.
1: like the haunt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The haunt and the, the state theater. Um, and because like t- Toronto and Ithaca were about the same distance when I was growing up. So like, Toronto was just a nightmare to drive in. So I didn't bother going there. I would just like cross the border and go to Ithaca because they got a lot of American bands that Toronto didn't get either. So yeah, so I I know that part of the world, you know, pretty, pretty decently. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I I loved it there. Um, Soundgarden was definitely like, I would take the bus like as like any time I could, like between classes or whatever. I spent so much time there and like the used CD section. I like that was kind of like my whole education and like classic metal. I would just go and like buy like whatever, like as many CDs as I could by like, like dark throne and Slayer and like Celtic Frost, like all those bands, like, cause they just yeah. had so much stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, uh, a great record store. I think they have one in Baltimore too or something like that. So yeah. 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 Um, so, how many years were you there in total? Then in Syracuse.
1: So I was there four years, and then I moved to New York to do the MFA program at Columbia, which okay. was two years.
0: Okay. So you, yeah, and then you've been in New York ever since.
1: Yeah, I lived in Manhattan, like in Alphabet City, those first two years, and I moved to Park Slope, and I've been in Park Slope ever since.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you still um. So, so, yeah, the, so then you started interning at Pitchfork, right, after school?
1: Yeah, I while I was still in the grad program at Columbia, I started doing, like, a fellowship there. I'd, I'd written for them a little bit. Like, when I moved here, I started freelancing for a bunch of different places. And, uh, yeah, I'd, like, written some reviews at that point, I think. And I got this fellowship, and I was just, like, uh, I, I loved it immediately, um, like, I, one of my like responsibilities was fact checking, which meant I got to like I got to like read the reviews early and like I don't know, just research like I remember fact checking like this review of a flying saucer attack reissue that Mark Richardson wrote. and I was just like, I could do this forever. like I loved it. yeah, um to the extent that I like completely gave up on grad school, like I still finished, but. I just like devoted all my energy to like trying to like do well at this fellowship and i just like yeah i really enjoyed it those are like some of my happiest memories of like my 20s (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: does mark still work there at pitchfork no mark left a few
1: years ago um he's doing a bunch of different stuff now he's doing really well um but yeah he was uh he's like one of the first people there who's like really supportive and uh really helped like guide my way through it yeah
0: okay awesome that's cool um i uh so and you don't freelance anymore at all then just you work for pitchfork exclusively or
1: yeah some exceptions like i wrote a piece for the nation about like leonard cohen's fiction like stuff that feels like out of the pitchfork purview i still write about for other places occasionally but most of my uh, extracurricular stuff is not like journalistic writing, um, so I've kind of like f- been freelancing less.
0: Right, right. W- one thing I've always been curious about in regard to like Pitchfork, like I, I mean, this is—I uh, was just wondering how how you guys deal with it on the on the inside. Like, there's there seems to be a lot of noise, and it's probably just noise, but um, just about like like criticism of. I was just always wondering what the criticism lev- leveled at Pitchfork was for. Like, it 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 was always really like, is it just a result of like being an industry leader, or like,
1: <laughs> oh, like in terms of the hate we get? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. is it just
0: like, like is it le- like I, I just never understood what specifically people were griping about.
1: Well, I mean, for one thing, like you kind of have to remember that for like the first couple decades of pitchfork's existence that was the site's tone was this very like um flippant antagonistic contrarian like you know like literally calling people names in the reviews like that kind of stuff and that's what drew a lot of people to it and i think it maybe created this kind of like dynamic of like uh like the argumentative internet vitriol thing like that was sort of like the charm of early pitchfork as like brutal as it sometimes is to look back on the quality of the writing um so i think that spirit still lives on that way a little um also it's like this music stuff is a bit emotional to people yeah like, i mean yeah. you know yeah. it's like i remember i was in college when uh the review for wrecking ball by bruce springsteen went up and ryan domble wrote it he's like you know like it's one of like my favorite people like and just a great writer and just someone i respect a ton but like back then like as like a 19 year old who like was so excited for a new springsteen tour and like excited about this record that had like the last clarence clemens sax solo and stuff on it i was like what the fuck like a (laughs) 5.9 like did you listen to it like you know like it's the natural response people have when they care about something so you can't really take it that personally or think that it's like i mean sometimes it literally is a personal (laughs) thing but i don't know i think it's just like all in the game it's like what also allows the job to exist is that people care about this and have different perspectives on it and it means more than just like the record you're talking about um so yeah it's just part of the game
0: yeah i see yeah like I, i i guess i didn't i didn't really read pitchfork probably like in the early going so i i don't know how aware I was of the antagonistic stuff in the early days. But, like, um, I don't know. It, it just has always seemed to me like Pitchfork has a a target on its back, whereas, like, there's a lot of other publications out there that do very similar stuff. So, um, I don't know. It was just kind of – it was always a bit curious to me. So, But yeah. um, um, what about, per, like, on a personal level? Like, um, how do you navigate sort of the – like the pushback from fans or artists when you give unfavorable reviews. Well,
1: I'm in therapy. No, I'm just, I mean I am, but I like I don't know, I have like pretty thick skin with this stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not a very combative person and I kind of like I don't know, people like I sort of want people to read it and respond however they want. I yeah. I'll never be the kind of person who feels the need to like Unless there's like some grave misunderstanding where I've I've maybe offended someone, um, I I've, I'll never feel the need to like fight back or like I don't know. I mean, there have been some awful examples of things that have happened to music writers because of their their writing, and I mean, as you know, it's like. But for the most part, I'm kind of like I don't know. It 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 doesn't really get to me that bad. Like I've kind of been at it for a while. And I don't know, one time someone said to me, they were like, you know, the haters are always kind of saying the same thing. Like you don't have to read every single one. Like they're not going to be very creative with it. It's generally going to be this piece sucks. You don't know what you're talking about. It's also like you do it long enough. You kind of hear every response imaginable. Like I remember I wrote a review of something once. And the first comment I saw said like, this is the worst piece of music criticism I've ever read. And I've subscribed to Rolling Stones since like 1984 or something like that. And then I've written stuff where people are like, I've, I hate music criticism and I vowed never to read it again, but this came on my radar and this transcends the format. And it's like, I don't know, like it's neither of them changed my life. And neither piece, I think, rose to the occasion of what it was being accused of. So yeah. you kind of just have to develop your own metric of when you're doing well or not, or else you'll always be kind of at the mercy of the bad mood or the good mood your readers are in. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of yeah. grateful that people read it um, at all.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, you know, from as a reader of your stuff, like, I, I know that you don't, you put a lot of thought and effort into it and and, you know, you're not the type of person that's going to write something to get a response either. So, I mean, I, or at least that's my perspective anyways, but well, thanks.
1: Yeah I, yeah. I would hope that, that's how it comes across,
0: you know? Yeah. So, um, any, uh, any, any like real intimidating features or interviews that you've been a part of that you can think of? Hmm.
1: Not really. Nothing springs to mind. Um, yeah, I've been lucky. I also haven't really done that many and all the ones I've done, I pretty much always have good memories of the only bad things are when like the equipment fails, you know, that's that's, like when I get freaked out, but no, most of the time I'm really nervous anticipating it and then it's, I find it to be a really disarming experience.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned Mark Richardson, any other, like, uh, were there any other mentors or or people you looked up to in the industry early on?
1: Oh, plenty. Um, well, Brandon, uh, is the person who hired me. Uh, and he's, you know, he was really big in making me feel welcome and taking me seriously. And, um, yeah, he's just a very warm presence and very, unpretentious, down-to-earth. Jen Pelly is like one of my favorite music writers on earth and she ran the track review section at the time and uh, a lot of my first pieces I wrote were in her section and she really helped guide me through it and uh, made me feel valued. Quinn Moreland, um, she's one of my best friends, great writer. She sort of ran the fellowship program at the time and yeah just like the definition of like i don't know like integrity and warmth and passion and expertise yeah it's just the best Um, i mean everyone i've worked with i have a ton of respect for it's a really inspiring place to work everyone's really smart and focused and good at what they do
0: that's great yeah um thanks for talking about that um all right man um so i i did uh want to uh talk a little bit about uh the bird calls and um this uh new release you got coming out so um so it's on Ruin Nation record company is that that's a New York based label
1: Yeah yeah um I think one of the guys lives in Chicago uh but it's uh, most of the artists are based here uh I started working with them in like 2022 they reissued my record tarot and it's run by uh andrew stalker uh sam canters the one who's in chicago and dan Knishkui makes music as adeline hotel yeah, um, yeah he's super talented great musician um and yeah there's just like it's a really cool community of artists and uh songwriters and musicians and uh yeah uh, I feel really honored to be putting stuff out with them.
0: So, they did cassette releases for Tarot and uh, My Life in Hollywood?
1: Only for Tarot, because Tarot I self-released on Bandcamp uh, at the end of 2021. And I just thought it was my best record and it should have like a little commemorative thing. And so, they put it out on tape. My Life in Hollywood, we never did anything physical for. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tarot uh, great. I think. Um... That's the one with Planets Unaligned on there? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And She Wants the Old Me back. That's right. Yeah. Y- yeah. Um two of my uh, favorite tracks. Yeah, when when I started reading your, you know, your journalism, I just kind of started to look into whatever else you were doing, whatever other work you were you were doing and you know, I came across your the podcast you did with with Andy and Winston and then um and then I just started like digging through the band camp uh the the bird calls band camp and it's uh still one of my favorite things to do just because there's just so much damn stuff on there and uh yeah it's just it's just like uh you know you can just pick from i just enjoy randomly picking different tracks and uh and just kind of going through some of your some of your stuff i i admire the way that you've kind of archived it all and and kept track of it all and uh it's it's pretty incredible. Um,
1: Thank you. That's uh, that's really cool. That's like what I hope is that I don't know. I feel like if someone likes one corner of the stuff I do, maybe they'll like all of it. Um, so that's really gratifying to hear. But it's also nice to hear that you like the overwhelming archive of it. Because I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think all the time about like removing like seventy five percent of those releases. I've already removed like a bunch, but I but then sometimes i think about like well i don't know it's all part of it and maybe someone will find it and think it's funny or entertaining or you know so that's cool i I appreciate that
0: yeah man yeah for sure um like i say, i think one of the first things i clicked on was those that cover record you did those 10 country songs and uh cool man man, i played the shit out of that i uh i don't know like that gary stewart song and uh, yeah oh that's an awesome song the the way you um uh covered that i don't know it was just for whatever reason it was just perfect and uh you know that that um i got two divorce lawyers on my back (laughs) mine just (laughs) Fucking, uh, you know, it was incredible. So, um, yeah,
1: that song's amazing. I came to that song through, um, Alex Chilton's cover of it. Okay. Uh, it's just like right when I first moved to New York. So it's like 10 years ago, I started covering that song because I thought Alex Chilton's version was amazing. And so I looked to see who wrote it. And then I realized Alex Chilton's literally doing a Gary Stewart impression. Like he's even doing like the warbly vibrato voice. Right. Okay. And then I got really obsessed with Gary Stewart. And, uh, Who's amazing, and I feel like is now finally starting to get his credit. Like because Wednesday covered one of his songs, and I feel like now I see him in conversations about like outlaw legends. Um, it's like a really tragic figure, yeah. Uh, but he's also like the funniest songwriter. Like in a lot of his songs, he's kind of like king of like those like bumper sticker titles songs that are also really heartbreaking. She's yeah. acting single, I'm drinking doubles. They're like yeah. I've got this drinking thing, keeps me from thinking things, like that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's the kind, best.
0: Kind of like uh, you know, in the same vein as Roger Miller or or Tom T. Hall or Totally, yeah. Yeah, something something along those lines, or uh, you know, even a more modern example like the way david Berman kind of wrote a little bit like yeah he was he, he was obsessed with you know classic country and and whatnot so
1: and he was a gary stewart fan for sure yeah
0: yeah um well the, the the new release you sent me exodus all over um again uh coming out august 11th on ruination um i've just been kind of walking around my neighborhood listening to it and um I don't know. I tend to listen to stuff like multiple times because I just find that, you know, a, a record doesn't, you don't, you don't, the, the true depth of a record doesn't really hit you until maybe the 10th or 12th listen or something. So, um, so I always like, um, qualify it by saying, you know, so far my, my favorite songs, but, um, but I really, really dig that song, Drive Around Singing. Um, thank you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I, I, uh, it's almost like, um, I can feel like when I listen to that song, I can almost feel the excitement that you maybe felt writing that song. Like the way, like the forward propulsion in those verses, um, uh, the way that song sort of builds, uh, I just had, um, uh, this is terrible, uh, podcasting etiquette here, but I, uh, there's a, there's just one verse that I wanted to, to, to talk about. And I think it's, um, I mean, the whole, the whole song is, is lyrically dense and great, but, um, I think it's, I can see the little lights, I can see the little lights of towns that come alive at night, fight my demons, go the distance, waterproof and flame resistant, drive around singing, drive around singing. Um, I like the skin I'm living in. I'm running on adrenaline. The blue sky smells like birthday cake. We save the date we celebrate. Um, you know, it just kind of puts the listener in like this, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just, it. I was talking to another musician the other day, Michael James Tapscott, and uh, I kind of told him that like one of his lines, it almost feels like, you know, you've taken like a handful of Adderall or something when you're listening to these lyrics. <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of how some of your stuff makes me feel like, you, you know, it's just like, uh, man, fuck, that's, that's uh, unbelievable. So um, all this to say, and, and I'm, you know, I... It's it's as awkward f- for me as it is you me blowing smoke up your ass here, but um, oh, it's not awkward. I really
1: like it. I could oh. listen to it all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but
0: but it's um, I just there's yeah, you you just you obviously have a lyrical gift. There's 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 just no uh, question about it. Like for me, that's kind of why I listen to music. That's a big part of why I listen to music. Um, you know, I think about like John Prine or uh, David Berman or Kyle Field or. You know, Craig Finn, um, Ian Felice is a big one for me, uh, his poetry and, and his lyrics. And um, I don't know, man, you just, you have a, a an enviable talent with words, so. uh oh, thank you. That, yeah, that's yeah, cool to hear. I yeah, like, that. and the reason I talk about it is because, um, you know, there's not, even some of the best songwriters out there, like, They can write a song, but they don't have that... Like, even some of the most popular and and, and lucrative songwriters out there, like, they they definitely know their way around a song, but they don't have that lyrical gift, in my opinion. Like, there's a lot of songwriters I love that I listen to, and I think, you know, I can probably do a version of that or something close to that, but when I hear your songs, it's like, there's no fucking way I can write like that. It doesn't matter how much i try like that's not something you're you can work toward in my opinion so
1: well thanks yeah that's my goal is i want people to stop writing songs uh because mine are so good (laughs) (laughs) so i'm glad it's working
0: i know this is just i know this is just one person's (laughs) opinion uh so you know um
1: no i really appreciate that um it's yeah it's awesome to hear it um and you also you yeah i appreciate the close listening because I feel like you touched on a lot of the stuff I was really going for in that song and um what you said about like the song having the excitement of having written it like yeah in it that's very true um this whole record I made really quickly which I also did with tarot um just like that record I made this in like about a week like home recorded oh wow Um, where I sort of just like created a schedule for myself that involved writing and recording and just stuck to it. Um, it's like really the best feeling in the world for me is when I'm in one of those places, which after Tarot, I kind of thought that maybe I wouldn't do that again, which is like why the next record I did in a studio, um, I, I kind of like maybe adopted this more like professional way of handling my music where, uh, like, um, I don't know. It seems like it suited it better. And I really love doing that. Like, there's another record I made this year that I'd made that way in a studio. Um, but yeah, what kind of happened with this record was I like it stemmed from a writing exercise I'd been doing all summer. I'd been writing a lot of poems because I'd like finished a record earlier this year and I was sort of letting it sit and working on like overdubs and stuff. And I sort of turned my attention to that. And then I was like doing a lot of traveling. And one of the poems I wrote, I was just like, halfway through. And I was like, Oh, this is just like a song. Like, it's literally verses and choruses. And when I came home, like I recorded it. And that song was on the one that's called not next week, but the week after. Right. And then the lines I had left over from how the poem started out, I started writing a new song based on those. And that was, let's leave the party together. And then I was kind of like, oh, like, I'm like making an album now. Like, I like rebooted my old laptop that I used to record all the old Bird Calls stuff on. And I sort of thought it would be dead by now because it's like 11 years old at this point. But it still worked and it still sounded good. And yeah, it was super euphoric. And like, you definitely like, it's kind of like to like bring it to Springsteen. It's like what makes a record like Nebraska or like it's like the connective tissue between all the records he makes when he's alone yeah. you know like nebraska and uh tunnel of love and lucky town has this quality where it's like you sort of just hear like or we shall overcome also is this way where it's like you hear like a uh, urge he had like where he's just kind of making music in the moment and he's sort of like it's like um george saunders has the thing of like He's like the smoke is still rising from the page. That's like his metaphor for it. Like Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I'm always going for that. And it's as much as I love working in a studio, it's harder to do that because the goal is kind of to make things sound um like put together and ready to be like taken in. Whereas like I kind of like the feeling that these songs are kind of like wobbly and coming together as you're listening to them and like maybe like to hot to touch, like yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, right, right. But yeah, also in Drive Around Singing, I think like a part of it is like singing, like writing about the creative process a little, um, like just the, both because it was so fun to write in that rhyme scheme, that's like, and like that rhythm, that's like da 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 like that yeah. thing. Um, and also because that's sort of like the motion in the song as I hear it. Um, this, the writer I was thinking about when I wrote that song was Vic Chestnut. Oh yeah who yeah He's like one of the best. and he's really good at these songs that like kind of braid two different stories together. like um like the big examples like flirted with you all my life where you think he's right. like talking about like a romantic fling and then you realize he's talking about like um death, and like suicidal ideation. Um, but I was also really into his song uh, Guilt by Association, which he sings with Michael Stipe. Oh, cool. And uh it's like this song that's I always hear it as like a song that's about like a musician being friends with like a more famous musician. I guess it could be like any career field and like you're seeing like he's like kind of analyzing how their careers have gone in different directions and like the f- like the toll that like fame takes on his more famous friend and um and like maybe like the guilt he feels for like wanting what his friend has and then, Michael Stipe sings the same verse, like the next verse and like the perspective shifts. I just think it's such like a complex set of emotions and such a simple song. Um, so I was like think, thinking of that, like in drive around singing, singing, it's like I was really excited by the verse telling one story and the chorus, telling like a different one. Like the right. verse is really stark and lonely and this kind of like sad thing between two people. And then the chorus is this kind of like, weird triumphant uplift thing
0: yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah, you definitely yeah yeah i I was kind of i i now that i think about it i was kind of yeah wondering about that like because you know there's this thing of somebody leaving somebody or you know moving out or whatever and then um i guess the way i interpreted it was like just sort of I, i don't know um finding a way to be happy without like external validation or something like that. But, uh, but regardless, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great track. And like I said, you can, I think I heard you say a similar thing about alphabet, uh, magnets where like, as soon as you wrote it, you know, you're on a bit of a high afterward Yeah, and, and I could see why, why you would have been. And like, I was just wondering, like, you know, when you, um, when you write, Songs that you're happy with, like how long does that afterglow last? or are you the type of person that's like, okay, i gotta I gotta get you know, you're so happy with that that you gotta get on to the next one.
1: Oh, with songs i I the gratification is very lasting. Uh, that's like my greatest joy is like writing a song I like. um and there's a few on this record. the one the song i'm I have that feeling with is whatever we want. For okay. whatever reason, that song I just feel incredibly uh tender toward. I really I like that one. Um, but also uh the only song I didn't make during like the like same time as the others is Drinking on Planes, which I w- was definitely like an alphabet magnets moment where I wrote it and it just felt like I felt like how has this not been written before? It turns <laughs> out there are a lot of songs about Drinking on Planes, but I've listened to them and I don't think any of them I, I don't think they hold a candle. I think I nailed it.
0: <laughs> right, right. I'm <yeah. laughs> just Why? like,
1: I don't know. Um, but the funny thing with that song is I tried recording it for like both of the records I've made in the past two years in a studio. And the people I made those records with, neither of them was totally convinced by it. Like both okay. because I think the feeling was like the first time I tried to do it, I think it just didn't fit on my life in Hollywood thematically and tonally. But then this time I felt like it just fell flat, and the feeling was like if you like, like if you say something funny, and then someone's like, "Repeat what you just said for like this group of people," <laughs> and you do, and it's just like dead air. That's kind of how it felt. Um, so, and I always really liked the demo I made of it, and uh, yeah. But in terms of like lasting gratification with music, I think I, for whatever reason, I don't have the same neuroses that I do with my job like with m- music writing i like uh, any piece that goes up i've probably done every single possible like this is the best thing i've ever written like yeah. is it possible that i could email my editors and have them not run this piece like <laughs> right before it's about to go up or like i don't know so that's something i, I need to figure out why I'm um, so uh what the difference is there
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's interesting um what's the editing process like when you write songs like do you you go back and revise a lot or
1: it depends on the project with something like this uh i was kind of editing while i was making it because a lot of the songs started as poems and i was sort of like taking the lines i liked and as i'm recording it like a lot of the time it's like writing it and recording it in the same period like just sitting in front of my computer and as i'm doing different takes i'm like changing stuff and like sometimes i'll say something accidentally and that becomes part of the song or sometimes i while i'm playing it i'm like it needs to end after this verse like the rest is unnecessary um I, i'm not a big tweaker with songs i i kind of like you know even now there's probably some lines i would change on the record but i'm like for whatever reason when i made it that's how i wanted to say it and I like the idea of it being kind of like, I think everything like leads to something else. So I feel like if I spend too much time worrying about that, I would never get anywhere.
0: Right. Right. I see. Um, I always liked something that um, you said, like coming back to your poems and, and picking, uh, picking lines from them. Like, I think it was Berman again, who said like one of his recommendations was to like write 20 lines a day or something, just whatever, just, you know, whatever comes into your head. And, you know, you just, you start amassing a random body of work and then you can kind of come back to those lines and just take what you need from, from that, you know? And I don't know, maybe Jeff Tweedy had a similar thing in his book, how to write a song, but, uh, um, I don't know. I I I don't know if like, I'm not a huge guy for like self-help books or advice books or whatever, but like, you know, there are techniques out there, I guess. So,
1: yeah, that's kind of like the like the vibe I was on this summer I was like trying to write a poem every day and I got really into the poet Russell Edson he's like a prose poem guy and his format was it felt so approachable to me and so open ended like it could literally be anything it could be like a short story in a few lines or it could be like four disconnected images or it could be like a joke with a setup and a punchline and I felt like like there were days when I really didn't want to write anything. And so I wrote a, a haiku and one of those actually made it onto the record. Like there's a haiku buried on the record. Um, but most of the time I was like, well, I'm too tired to like try to write. So let's just like put some sentences together and see what it ends up reading like. And those were some of my favorites that I wrote. Um, and some of the ones that were like the most fruitful in terms of like inspiring ideas. Um Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I, I I won't uh we've gone a fair amount of time here, man. I'm I'm aware of the time. I'll I won't keep you that much longer. But um uh one thing that when I write songs like one thing I struggle with a little bit is like uh I always feel like there has to be sort of like a a linear uh uh thing to it or a narrative or like it has to make sense in some way, but like some of my favorite songs don't really make any sense you know like they they're just it's the imagery and it's the uh, um, this sort of this like you said like this disconnected imagery that really um, makes the song great but when I sit down and write like I get almost like anxiety when when the song I'm writing doesn't make sense or it doesn't feel complete or it doesn't feel um, like like it makes any sense and um, I was just wondering if like if you've ever experienced anything like that like or yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but,
1: yeah, yeah, no, I think about that a lot. i f- I feel like, um, the way I made my life in Hollywood last summer was like me and Ian Wayne, who's a really good songwriter, and he produced the record. Every week, we had a session. And so I would try to write a song in the span of the week until the session came up. And like halfway through the experience, I started writing songs really differently. And that's the songs on the record that are like fragments in still life the songs that are like more image based. And I got really excited by those songs where I couldn't really tell you what happens narratively, like to the extent that like the pronouns keep changing and the, the tense keeps changing, like things that would like drive an editor insane if you did it in like a, <laughs> like a more formal setting. Right. But that got, I was really excited by the potential in that because the cool thing with songs is like, they don't need to be governed by logic and people kind of, form their own connection to them and um also with the music you can like contextualize the story and give like the feeling of momentum or changing the scenery um and i that was like a major player in the stuff i wrote for this new record um the way like russell edson talks about in, in interviews he's like literature is like the art of language and then poetry is the art of images and it, Comes from like the same part of the subconscious mind that dreams come from. So it's like the same way your dreams have like an arc to them that you're not really dictating and that you can really transcribe. Like that should be what poetry does. Like you shouldn't know where it's going when you start writing it. And I think that's why like the songs in the second half of this record, like Whatever We Want, are so exciting to me because. I didn't see them coming. Like a song like Drinking on Planes, as proud as I am of it, I'm kind of like I treated it sort of like an exercise. Like I knew what joke I wanted to make and it was a matter of finding the best rhymes for it and like the best way of building it up. Whereas like a song like Whatever We Want, I feel like it was just kind of like words leading to each other and images and emotions and something about that feels a lot more um i don't know it feels like wide open territory and i think once you can like start like giving an outlet to the part of your brain that thinks that way i think it can help you in a lot of different areas and yeah i'm really excited about that and it's also the type of art i tend to like like um like springsteen for all the way he's characterized can be more psychedelic than he's given credit for like even highway 29 like what happens in the last line of that song i was running then i was flying like does that mean like the cops shot him does that mean his car like his car spun off the road like right yeah that like that openness to interpretation i think is what keeps people returning to a song and what allows like all different people to form different relationships with it like what's one person's wedding song could be a song that someone else finds like too sad to even listen to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, you said a lot there. That's, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a hard block to get over. I think sometimes like you've, you've got to sort of, you know, it's like, you've got to do it a few times in order to sort of, you know, cause like, and you'd know it better than anyone because you know you have that you have you know in your day job you know you got the journalistic brain going, and the narrative brain going, and then you know when you're writing songs you know you're kind of doing it doing that in a different way. So you've you've got perspective on both. So that's uh, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, like somebody like I don't know Jay Farrar, for example. Like I mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell he's talking about half the time, but like I love his songwriting, man. He, he's one of my favorite songwriters, but I just don't know what he's necessarily uh talking about but yeah
1: uh... i mean that's so many of my favorites like um there's this tanita takiram song called once and not speak that like for whatever reason i think is like the most beautiful song ever but the words like grammatically they just do not make sense like i really don't know what she's talking about if i had to like analyze it or explain it but for whatever reason just like Yeah, the cadence of her delivery and the words, it just really sticks with me. And uh, I feel like, yeah, as a writer, you kind of have to allow yourself the same, like, freedom to do what feels right and sounds right, even if there's, like, an editor in your brain telling you that you need to get, like, a verb in your sentence, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like you said, too, it's kind of up to the listener as well, right? I mean... Like it's interesting how we listen to music too, because you know, I'm I'm in my I'm 41 now, but like I you know when I was a teenager, I would go to the CD store and you know I would put the CD on and flip through the booklet and read the lyrics, um, and now like I don't really I don't know I mean I still read liner notes and stuff like that, but I don't necessarily follow along with the lyrics anymore because sometimes I find it interesting if I, you know, just even if I interpret a lyric improperly or whatever, it, it can still mean something to me that um you know is is equally as as exciting as as what the writer even meant by it you know or yeah
1: yeah that's the fun of it
0: yeah yeah so um but yeah anyways um yeah man um when you want to get away from music I mean you're you write about it you make it you podcast about it like do you have any like uh you know what do you do when you want to just turn your brain off from of music or do you ever turn your brain off of music
1: <laughs> yeah I, I should do it more uh, my life is pretty dominated by it but I love to read I'm always reading stuff and like now that I'm like an editor at Pitchfork I reading music writing is less attractive to me like in my free time so I read a lot of poetry uh, and fiction um, I, I watch I'm always like rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm like some different shows and movies um yeah i have got like a bunch of friends out here some of them a lot of them are musicians but some of them aren't uh i have a friend who's a doctor and hanging out with him is like a good reminder that none of this matters you know yeah yeah Um, but yeah
0: yeah sure um all right man well you've been super generous uh with your time um so august 11th um exodus all over is released uh please uh everyone uh go have a listen to that and then you said you're you have another studio like a proper follow-up to my life in hollywood that's coming out as well
1: yeah that record's called old faithful um it'll be out sometime in the next year for sure
0: okay okay awesome um so i will look for that as well um uh, i really appreciate uh talking songwriting with you you uh yeah it's it's cool not everybody can get deep like you can so that's I, oh. I appreciate I appreciate it <laughs>
1: thanks man likewise anytime you want to talk I'm I'm always down this was really fun
0: yeah all right well uh yeah have a good night man
1: yeah likewise thanks so much for this this was was really great
0: yeah of course all right take it bye. easy bye bye no one asks me anymore
1: how you doing, where you are I guess that's just the way that it goes The house flies and the paper waits The day breaks when the bed is made I can tell you want to be alone But I'm running on adrenaline I like the skin I'm living in The blue sky smells like birthday cake We save the day and celebrate We drive around singing We drive around singing We stand in as our own defense Count of blessings, count of friends Hallelujahs never end We count to ten and count again We drive around singing We drive around singing She says, you can keep whatever's left I'd rather just move on and be done All the mindful and the mindless know The middle ground's where the trouble grows And there's a number
0: lonelier
1: than one I hear an angel being born and I seize the day and chase the storm It's one step back and back and forth Course I change, I change my course I drive around singing I drive around singing I can't believe my crazy fortune Winds are changing, wild horses Days like this are life affirming Wolves are howling, wheels are turning Drive around singing Drive around singing Ooh, I can see the little lights of towns that come alive at night. Fight my demons, go the distance, waterproof and flame resistant. Drive around singing. Drive around singing. I like the skin I'm living in. I'm running on adrenaline. The blue sky smells like birthday cake. We save the day, we celebrate. We drive around singing. We drive around singing.